it's great to be here. This is a Sunday after May 21st. <laughs> and I'm glad that we are going to talk about missions. Because uh, the Apostle, Paul, Apostle Peter mentioned about something about that. He says, if the coming of the Lord seems to be delayed, don't think that God is slack in His promise because, he says, God does not want anyone to perish, but that everyone will come to repentance. Amen? Amen. And so as we think of the end days, as we have been warned, as we have been uh, uh, watching what will happen yesterday, <laughs> I thought of one of uh, the authors that I, I kind of resonated with his eschatological views that the church lives in the tension between what is and what is yet to come. And so that middle ground is where you are, you and I, stands before God. And we have the responsibility to usher in the kingdom of God because the Lord Jesus Christ said that the, the message of the kingdom will be preached worldwide and then the end will come. Amen? Amen. And so... It's appropriate for us this morning to talk about missions. And my, my, my message is about seizing God's moment in missions. See, through the years, missions focus, strategies, priorities, methodologies have gone through innovations and, and paradigm shifts. For instance, in the United States, we, we were introduced to the fact that the fourth largest mission field in the world today is not somewhere in the third world country. The fourth largest mission field in the world today is the United States. The reason for that is because of the influx of people from all over the world coming to this country. Many of them would come here coming from countries that are close to the gospel. That's what intercultural ministries of converts is all about. And I have the privilege to direct that ministry. I work with Vietnamese leaders in churches in the United States, of course with Filipinos because we are originally, my wife and I are originally from the Philippines as you can tell. Hispanic, of course, the largest single people group in the United States. And uh, also work with Japanese, Haitians. So this is this is this place really. The United States is really a uh, is a place where where missions is happening. Actually, foreign missions is happening. As one missiologist says, that the mission field in America is just right in our doorsteps. Probably not as pronounced as it is here in Weston. But if you go to places like major cities, Los Angeles, and the place where we live now in Orlando, you can see literally the whole world coming into one place. And that's a missions moment as far as God is concerned. So the dispersion of people around the world and coming into this country really is a, a new mission moment for us with Converts. 25% of uh, U.S. population claim African, Hispanic, Asian, or Native American descent or origin. 
28 million were born in the United States, outside the United States. Huge. Now, this change in U.S. population in terms of uh, the makeup of our, of our country is reflected in our all-American diet. You can forward that. Salsa outsells ketchup by $40 million in the U.S. market today. One more slide. There you go. <laughs> you and I did not coordinate well on this. Next uh, slide will tell us about this reality of the United States being a mission field. Did you know that the largest Christian church in the world today is in Seoul, Korea, predominantly, still predominantly a Buddhist country? And yet the largest Buddhist temple in the world today is, you know where? Boulder, Colorado. The second largest Christian church is in uh, Ligers, Nigeria, a predominantly Muslim country. Now, the largest Muslim training center for their clergy or clerics is not somewhere in the Middle East. It in, it, it's in New York City. The other religions are coming into the United States because they want to bring their message here supposed to be, this is a, a country influenced by, by the Judeo-Christian principles and message, and yet other religions are growing here. And so as we think of this reality, when you see us, my wife and I, we are an example of missions coming in full circle, because we were product of missionary work and missionary witness in the Philippines way back when we were still younger, not grandparents yet. The reason why, why she is a lot long, younger than me because I, I was 21, she was 12 years old when I got married. <laughs> no, no. She, <laughs> but uh, we, we were brought here by the Lord because of that particular challenge of uh, planting churches among different people groups here in the United States. So this morning, I'd like just for us to think for the moment of that responsibility that the church has in terms of ceasing that, to seize that moment in missions where God is actively involved in the affairs of, of man. Turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. Let me just read this and then we'll go back and forth to the whole passage actually begins, which begins in verse 16 to the end of verse 28. But for our purposes today, I want us to just underscore verses 26 and 27. From one man, the Apostle Paul declared, he made all the nations of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands in the the older version of the NIV it says he determines he determined the times and the exact places where people should live 
verse 27, for one purpose. He says, God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. This passage, these two verses, is a main, was the main point of the Apostle Paul's message on Mars Hills in the city of Athens. Prior to this event, the Apostle Paul had a wonderful ministry in the city of Brea, where the Bereans were mentioned to be more noble than those from Thessalonica because the Bereans are the kind of Christians when a person would tell them this is the fulfillment of the prophecy, the Bereans would go right into the text and say, let's check, check it out. Because they always would check the Apostle Paul's uh, teaching on them, when, from the scriptures, I should say. So he had a wonderful ministry. But, you know, as you follow the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul has always, always been persecuted, both from, from the Jews and those who are outside the chosen people of God. And so the Jews wanted to kill the Apostle Paul. And so... They shipped him out and he landed in, in Athens, in the city of Athens. And uh, when he reached there waiting for, for uh, Silas and Timothy, he went into the city and he saw that uh, the city of Athens is full of, of religion. It's a very multicultural city. Because back in those days when he visited, the city of Athens is a center for culture, education, and commerce. And so people from all over Asia Minor would, would, would stay and live in Athens. And so when Paul went into the marketplace, he saw these people, they're, they're just going there doing nothing but uh, argue with, with the newest thing, newest teaching uh, uh, in, in town. And so in that, in that setting, the Apostle Paul took the opportunity and the privilege to share the gospel. So it was interesting because... Uh, uh, Dr. Luke, the author of the book, says that when, when the Apostle Paul taught them about Jesus and the resurrection, he, they, they, the man from, from the marketplace says, tell us about these gods. Did you notice that? It's a plural. Because they thought that, that, Jesus was taught, that Apostle Paul was teaching about Jesus and Anastasia, which, uh, which, which referred to, to uh, the resurrection. <laughs> he was talking about Jesus in the resurrection. They were, talk, they, they were thinking that the Apostle Paul was talking about Jesus and probably a, a, a female goddess. Paul took that opportunity and he was given another chance. He preached this message. And this is this God who is so foreign to you. Uh, fortunately, you have a stamp of this God. Because when he walked in the city of Athens, he saw this... this uh, a shrine dedicated to the unknown God. And Paul took that opportunity and says, This God that you do not know, I have come to know. And that's Jesus. You know, that is a, a, a principle in witnessing is, is that we introduce Jesus to people that they do not know. But we, inter we witness them because we have come to know him in a very personal way. Paul said, this God 
that you do not know. You even have a, a shrine dedicated to this. I'm going to mention about that later, that legend about that shrine, that shrine to the unknown God. He says, I have come to have to declare to you who this, this God is, and it's Jesus. And so he talks about God, and then finally, in that verse 27, 26, and 27, he says, This God, personified in Jesus, is the one who created all men. And he did a number of things that, that, that the Apostle Paul used as his uh, message to attract the Athenians, different religions, to embrace the message of Jesus. He says, this God made one man in all the nations of men. And then he also said that he set the boundaries and the times in history where people would live for one purpose, because God is bringing you to himself. And I'm proclaiming this to you. At the end of that message, by the way, there were a number of people who, few number of people that accepted the Lord. And uh, Luke named a couple of them, which uh, eventually has some uh, influence in uh, the early Christian, uh, Christian philosophy. There is no record that Paul planted a church in Athens. But there were people who embraced the message which I refer to as the, the, the God's special moment in history. You see, missions have gone into a number of series of innovations and changes in methodologies, as I mentioned earlier. But there's one thing that's constant, that whenever we talk about missions, we have to remember that while we are still trying to figure out the most effective way to communicate the gospel, God is already at work. Because he emphasized that. You did not know, Athenians, but God brought you here. God has appointed you to live in this particular place, in this particular moment in history, because he has a purpose for you. It's no accident that you are not living in New York today. But you are living in Western. This is Western or Wasa. Sometimes I don't, I don't, I don't see the boundary. <laughs> for a purpose. And Paul said, the reason for that is I want people to start seeking God. And I want people to start reaching out to God. Because when they start reaching out to God, they will find God. I want you to tell the person next to you and tell them, you have, God has a purpose for you for, for bringing you here today. Yeah, tell it to your neighbor. <laughs> this divine moment in missions in which God is personally involved in actively creating things and leading people to open up to the gospel is what I call God's sovereign grace. It's almost like a contradictory phrase because if God is sovereign, where is grace coming in? It's, grace is, is God's way of, of 
embracing us although we are not worthy of that because of his love and mercy for us. But also sovereign is the fact that God almost arbitrarily do, does things on his own. But he, I combine this concept to say that God is doing things on his own, but at the same time, he wanted to extend this grace so that he will give people opportunity to respond to his sovereign love. And so this divine moment in missions is what I call God's sovereign grace. How does this sovereign grace work? Number one, I'll, I suggest that God orchestrates events for people to seek Him. There's no amount of discussion or argument that you will be able to convince a person to, em to embrace Christianity and the Gospel. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because God, Jesus Christ said, God draws people to Himself. Our responsibility is to find out what God is doing so that we will keenly recognize that there is a point, an entry point where this, this person that we are trying to win to the Lord is open to the gospel already. I told you about the, unknown, the shrine dedicated to the unknown God, right? 600 years ago, as legend tells us from, from history books, from some writings, that uh, the city, uh, city of Athens was a city-state. And there was a famine in the land. King Epimedes, the, the king of uh, the city of Athens, tried almost everything, being pagan, to find out the cure for this uh, uh, epidemic. And so they would... Uh, they sacrifice to all the different gods that they, they have come to know. And multiplicity of God in the city of Athens. And every time they, they sacrifice, the, the epidemic would not go away. And so finally the king said, maybe there is a God that we have not known yet. Let's then put a shrine dedicated to the unknown God. And, and then let, let all these sheep or, or lambs be, be loose and whatever this lamb would, would settle or lie down, we're going to dedicate that lamb to those shrine. Those lambs that, that uh, lay down before the, the shrine dedicated to the unknown God was slaughtered and, and offered to that shrine dedicated to the unknown God. And suddenly... The epidemic went away. And so there was the tradition in, in Athens when people started, at least including in many of their worship and idols, a, a shrine dedicated to the unknown God. The Apostle Paul took that opportunity. And he said, you probably have no problem to realize that this shrine dedicated to the unknown God back in history 600 years ago, your great-great-great-grandparents experienced a mighty touch of the Almighty. And God, the Apostle Paul used that window of opportunity and shared Jesus to them. God orchestrates events so that people will start seeking God. 
I don't know about you, but I have a number of experiences like that. When my wife and I, as uh, Bob mentioned to you, uh, we started uh, our first, first Filipino church in Seattle. And we were introduced to this couple, Filipino couple, came into this country in search of a better life. When the, when the, the couple was introduced to us, they were ready to, to divorce. I remember the living room when I visited, everything is a mess. They have two children. Levi, the husband, Josie, just talked to me and said, uh, Pastor, you cannot do anything about this. Uh, we are ready. We are just, you know, here, here is the, the, our divorce paper. We already signed it. We are Roman Catholics, but we don't care. We just don't, don't, don't love each other. And so they're ready to divorce. So I said, could we at least, could we at least pray for you and for the kids? And, and, I, and I took that opportunity and I said, uh, where do you think uh, well, the problem started? I'm sure when you came uh, together, you love each other. But what happened? And so they started, uh, the man started talking about his side and the woman talking about his side. And I said, may I suggest to you, as I listened to what you were saying, there's one missing component in your relationship. And so I got their attention. I said, that window of opportunity, and I said, Christ is missing in your relationship. Would you like to try Christ this time? And then I shared Christ to them. The couple accepted the Lord. I have the privilege of baptizing them. Eventually they went back to the Philippines and said, want to go back to the Philippines and minister to, to our home folk where we came from. God creates events in people's lives so that they will start to seek him. That's God's moment. And you and I have the responsibility when we look at people's journey in life to be sensitive to what, where God is already at work in that person's life. And you and I will have the joy of just introducing Christ to them just like what happened with the Apostle Paul. The unknown God was that window of opportunity because God already is at work. Second, when, when he talks about the fact that, that uh, God did this so that man would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. Did you notice that? I think what Paul was saying is that God opens opportunities for people to have a relationship with him. Of course, we, are, we can always be part of what God is doing, but... God also opens that opportunities and what he wanted for people, especially those who are seekers, is to embrace that relationship. Witnessing is about that. Missions is about that. That we would like to bring people to, to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every non-believer matters to Jesus. If, it does, if that's the truth, every unbeliever should matter to you and to me as well. And so Jesus says, God is doing his part, orchestrating things so that people will start seeking him. Because when people start seeking God, they will start to reach out to God, isn't it? Sometimes events like problems... Sickness, oftentimes, 
is a, is a physical ailment to, to, to provide the person a spiritual upliftment. I've seen a number of opportunities that I, I was able to share the gospel because that person got sick and trying to find some answer, spiritual answer to their physical ailment. And so Jesus and God opens opportunities for people to have relationship with him. You and I need to be the person who will be opening that door for people to have a relationship with Christ. See, I define witnessing differently from probably most of uh, what you've heard. It's not about asking people to sign the dotted line and just asking the, pe the person to, uh, to pray the sinner's prayer. Yeah, it's in it includes that. But it's not about that. It's bringing a person one step closer to Jesus. When we are able to start to bring people one step closer to Jesus, that's a success in witnessing, even though the person probably would not pray the sinner's prayer yet. But what Paul was saying is, don't worry about seemingly rejection, because when you open the gospel, the Bible to them, the word of God to them, God's word will not return void. It will accomplish its purpose. So when a person would not accept Christ, don't be disappointed. But keep that person in prayer because God is involved in that person's life. And then look at the third step in the Apostle Paul's uh, concept of missions, that moment where God is really personally involved. When a person starts seeking God, that person will reach out to God. And then when that person reaches out to God, notice the, the grammatical construction, he says, and find him. It's almost like automatic. When people start reaching out to God and asking for mercy and God's love, God, can you do something about my problem now? The Apostle Paul said, that person will find the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a joy for, for us. To just be with a person who finally embraced Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. If you have not done that recently, uh, I would encourage you to look at this passage and, and, and recognize what God is already at work. Maybe with your neighbor, office mate, classmate. They're seeking for God. Your responsibility and my responsibility is just to, to usher that person so that that person will embrace Christ. story about uh, the largest church in, uh, in Korea I mentioned earlier. Uh, the church is uh, pastored by Pastor Yonggi Cho. And one, one story that I read about that, that explosion of the church was they, every Christian, every member of the church is really a disciple maker and, and a witness for Christ. There was a story that they said that this one, one old lady, she said, she doesn't know how to witness, but uh, she, uh, she said, uh, I'm not a good uh, person to explain the gospel. And so she came to, to, to her pastor and said, what can I do? And, 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 she said, and he said, why don't you look at your, your apartment complex and see where God might open opportunities for you. So this old lady looked at her window, apartment window, and he saw this, this young families with kids uh, coming out of the car, their hands are full, and the kids are hanging to their clothes. 
And she said, let me, let me try using that as a window of opportunity. And so she started going every morning, the time when these mothers would be coming home from grocery, she would go there and, and help these young families, take out the kids or maybe help the elderly uh, Christian, uh, elderly person carry their bags. And people started wondering, and said, why are you doing this? And she said, because Jesus loves you and I love you too. And she said, this, this lady was one of the ladies that has the most number of people that he brought to the church. Because he bring, she brought people one step closer to Jesus. Any good acts done in the name of Jesus to bring person closer to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is God's moment in mission. God's moment in ministry. In, in witnessing. So I asked the question, how do we respond to this wonderful opportunity? Every Christian can have a global impact because mission now is both local and global. When you touch one person with the gospel, you, you may have the possibility of impacting the world. I'm sure that your community will not remain what it is right now. People from different parts of the world eventually will come to this, to this, to your community. When you have the opportunity to share a person to the, the gospel to a person with a different color than you, you would not know what, what could that mean in terms of global impact uh, for missions. And I had that uh, personal uh, encounter with a couple. When I met them, they were ready to uh, be baptized in one of our converged churches in, in Arizona. And uh, I had a lunch with them. He was from India. She was from mainland China. He was a Hindu. She was a Buddhist uh, believer. Both of them came to Arizona State University for studies. While they were studying, somebody witnessed to them. Both of them became believers. And they were plugged into our church. When I met them, they were already candidates for baptism. And so I had a wonderful test time of just listening to what God has done. And how you, can, you can tell in their faces how joyful they are as new believers. And then they told me, he said, by the way, Pastor, my wife and I are going this summer, going to India, and then on our way back, we're going to, to China, and then come back to the United States for one purpose. All our parents, all our loved ones are non-believers. We're going for the first time, tell them what happened to us when we have accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior. The ministry that that's one person, two persons in Phoenix. I don't know what happened. Could have an impact in India as well as in China. The person that you're going to share the gospel with, maybe a person that God's going to use somewhere outside your community because God is at work. Let's join God in what he's doing. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for 
we know that missions is your work. But we also thank you for the privilege that you give to your people to be in, involved in what you're doing. And I pray for Bethany Baptist and for the leadership of this church. Thank you for their commitment to you, commitment to the missions, but also their commitment to reach out the community here. Oh, may, may they see a number of shrine to the unknown God to many people that who do not know you yet so that they can create an opportunity to introduce Christ so that those people who do not know you will start seeking you and start reach out, reach out, reaching out to you and eventually finding you. Lord, allow them to see the fruit of their labor by seeing numbers of people coming to faith in Christ through the ministry here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you.